Hello and welcome back to Cinema at First Sight. We are currently on the eighth episode of season two and also the third episode in a row of me just talking to myself alone without a guest because quarantine really do be like that. For people who luckily don't know because they don't live in Sydney, New South Wales is currently back in another lockdown. So I have lots of time to spend alone watching movies and questioning my existence. So join me for the ride. If this is your first time tuning in, then the premise of this podcast is that I watch either the first half of a movie or the first episode of a TV show, review it, talk about it, guess what's going to happen with as little information as possible. Today I am deviating slightly from my normal format because what I will be analysing is Inside, which is Bo Burnham's new Netflix special, which he has written and created in quarantine in the world's smallest apartment. So this isn't my typical fare. I'm treating it as a movie because it is a one-off special, so I have only watched half of it. But I think the way that I analyse this is going to have to be changed up and shaken up a little bit. Which is absolutely wild because I'm gonna have to stray from the template. I'm gonna have to actually have agency and form my own opinions. This is a lot. But we're gonna do it together and by together I mean I'm gonna do it completely alone, record myself and you're gonna listen to it after the fact. So I guess I'll give you some background information about what I know about Bo Burnham. I know in theory that he was a Viner. I never watched Vine. I also know that he released comedy YouTube videos like 10, 15 years ago. Again, I'm not super familiar with them. I also know that he has gained more and more mainstream recognition. Like, I know that he's worked with Netflix before and done at least a couple of specials with them. And while I haven't seen them, as far as I know, they're kind of like your typical comedy song, Tim Minchin-esque political satire slash social commentary, and they're filmed and performed in front of a live audience. But with this, Bo Burnham has obviously had to adapt to these, to quote everyone for the past year and a half, unprecedented times and create something else entirely. So this is a completely different kettle of fish that I am very excited to dive into. I'm also excited to learn more about him as a person because my only interaction with him is really seeing him in Promising Young Woman, which if you've seen it, you know three quarters of the way through, you're not exactly his biggest fan. Ryan, I feel personally betrayed by you. But that's not what this podcast is about. Let's dive into the first question. Is this a rewatch or is this a first time watch? Obviously, a first time watch. I did watch it just before quarantine started, so I've had a bit of time to mull over what I've watched, and I'm excited to unpack what I have digested. So normally I would go into some basic plot points, but seeing as this isn't a fictional show or movie with a linear plot, there aren't really any plot points I can neatly summarise, but... In lieu of that, I figured I'd just give you an outline of the track list slash performative two-camera pieces that we've seen so far. So, the whole special is set inside, uh uh-huh, get it, what is essentially a single, very claustrophobic room. We get random updates throughout about where Bo Burnham is in his creative process slash how his mental state is developing or, as it happens, halting. 
We start with the first song, Content, which is literally just introducing us to the fact that after a brief hiatus, Bo's back and has created something. Before we move into the second song, Comedy, which satirizes the fact that a lot of male comedians feel like they're, quote, the special kind of white guy who can save the world from a bunch of injustices. They're literally not affected by it all. By being obnoxiously loud and cracking jokes at arguably inappropriate times. Both of these songs I would kind of view as intros, so I'd say the special officially begins with the song FaceTime With My Mum Tonight, which is a joke about FaceTiming with his mum being the biggest event he has to look forward to in his day, as well as the frustrating nature of teaching boomers how to navigate technology. We then get a little bit dark with the next song called How the World Works, which starts with Bo Burnham teaching children about nature, and then peaks with a sock puppet revealing the way the world actually works and singing about historical genocide and worker exploitation and the problems with neoliberalism, and then ends with Bo Burnham silencing and ultimately killing the puppet. Brutal. And obviously also metaphorical. I see what you did there. That's followed by a parody advert of a brand product consultant, which basically makes fun of the fact that every company on Earth now has decided to take and voice a political stance. Before we move on to the next song, White Woman's Instagram, which, you guessed it, parodies overused Instagram tropes featured on every white girl's Instagram feed ever curated. And yes, I do feel personally attacked. The next song only goes for about a minute and is called Unpaid Intern and laments the exploitation of interns who work for free, but is sharply cut off by Bo Burnham making a YouTube star reaction video to said song. That reaction video is then also interrupted by a video of him reacting to his reaction video and talking about how his previous explanation and analysis of the song was a way for him to appear to be smart when, in actuality, the song's stupid and doesn't mean anything, before being cut off by yet another reaction video to the reaction of the reaction, where he explains that him downplaying the meaning of the song just then was a defense mechanism, and preempting criticism he feels might be held his way by someone else reacting to his initial reaction video. That is the most wordy, convoluted sentence I've ever uttered. It's very meta, it's very nuanced, it's very stressful. Inception? It shakes. My vocabulary? It's tested. Then the next song is just a one-minute bop called Bezos One, which very sarcastically glorifies Jeff Bezos. After that, we've got Sexting, which musically, I would say parodies kind of every mid-2000s Justin Timberlake song I've ever heard, and talks about navigating foreplay and long-distance relationships through the nuanced and subjective language of emoji art. He then sings a song called Look Who's Inside Again about, you guessed it, being trapped inside for an extended period of time, both physically and mentally, before he delves into a full iconic music video to a song called Problematic, which acknowledges the fact that, like almost everyone, he's done some stuff in the past that in the woke light of 2021 could be deemed problematic. The next thing we see is then Bo next to a clock that reads 11.59pm before he reveals that he had all of these things he had planned to accomplish before he turned 30, but now he has less than a minute left of his 20s. Honestly, it's hard to watch, 
COVID really is out here derailing everyone's plans and also their sanity. He then delves into a song called 30, where he talks about how he used to be the fresh-faced new kid on the block whose accomplishments outnumbered his age, but now he feels like the tables are turning. It ends with him jokingly saying that he'll kill himself when he's 40, and then immediately cuts to a piece to camera where he urges people not to kill themselves because they probably have something to live for. It's darkly funny, for sure, but at this point still in funny territory. However, then kind of veers out of that and becomes incredibly sad when you see that the person watching this video is actually him a few months down the track after having been trapped inside working on this project for even longer. Like, so clever, but so depressing. And that is officially the pessimistic halfway point. How do I know that? Because there is a very handy, very literal intermission. It's a lot to process, it's a lot to analyze, it's a lot to sit with, and it's gonna be a lot to unpack, but let's get started. The next question I normally have for myself are what are my favorite moments or moments that I consider to be most exciting or most pivotal? Again, because there aren't any plot points I can point to in particular as being a standout because there are no plot points, I'm just going to talk about my favorite things about the special. I think right off the bat, one of my favorite things would have to be the kind of undefinable form. It defies form, in a way. I think if I had to classify it, I would refer to this as like a tragicomic performance art piece. It incorporates a range of art forms, including music and stand-up comedy and meta-commentary, and I love that. It's so clever and so fresh and catches you off guard while also thoroughly entertaining you. And this mashup of forms also helps to create my next favorite thing about the special, which is its undefinable tone. I guess this just laughs in the face of labels. It's not like other Netflix specials, but also it really is not like other Netflix specials. It manages to be a blend of comedy and truth at a mental health intersection, which is a sentence I wrote that I only half understand and agree with, but am now apparently fully making the decision to voice. It's been described in reviews, because yes, I read reviews to pregame for this podcast, as some combination of comedy, drama, documentary, and theatre, and I agree with all of the above. It's obviously performative, and at points feels like a full-on theatrical event, very clearly designed to be performed for a live audience in ideal times. But in other moments, feels like a journal entry, or one of those reality TV confessionals if reality TV were in any way real or genuinely captured emotion. And then my next favorite thing about this whole special is just the self-awareness. Bo Burnham is so aware of both himself and the paradox of what he's creating, and the parallels that it ironically draws to what he's critiquing. He acknowledges his privilege, he makes fun of his privilege, he creates something and acknowledges that what he's creating isn't going to magically fix society. He's also aware of his humble beginnings on YouTube. He's aware of his status as a content creator while parodying the tropes of content creators, yet also employing those tropes in ways that are ironic, but also at times unironic, but always with a sense of awareness. He's in on the irony. Which I think basically sums up the entire special. Whatever happens, whatever he's critiquing, whatever he's feeling or sharing, he's in on it. Which weirdly puts me at ease and makes me feel like I'm in safe hands. 
I don't have to be out here searching for red flags or be on edge that a joke's gonna cross the line and be on PC because he's already done that job for me. He's commenting on the work while he's making it. He said, I'm gonna play every role. Writer, director, reviewer, actor, singer, producer. And then, yeah, that brings me to my next point perfectly. Another one of my favorite things, just the production in general. It is objectively expertly crafted. It's absolutely insane the fact that he was able to write all of the songs and dialogue, film it, create the lighting plot and camera setup, produce the music, and edit it all together within the confines of this tiny space. And it's so well done. It's like every HSE short film on crack if anyone had any semblance of talent. The music and lyrics are not only really funny and powerful and edgy, but the production of the songs is amazing. He sounds great. And visually, it's stunning. It, at times, can look really bleak and empty and totally captures the depressing nature of self-isolation, but also at other times looks like a mega-budget music video, complete with strobe lighting and insane props. Every shot in White Woman's Instagram is so aesthetic and spot on, and watching it honestly stresses me out just thinking about how much time and effort and, honestly, money must have gone into perfecting it all. No wonder this seems to be slowly tracking his deteriorating mental health, because oh my god, imagine being that meticulous and that specific for 365 days, alone, with no reprieve. And then, I guess I have to put it out there, my last favorite thing, just the songs themselves. I've already said they're insanely well produced, but when it comes down to it, they're also bangers. Like, I want to download the album immediately. A bunch of cleverly curated, bona fide bops. Okay, flipping that on its head, what is usually a question about my least favorite moments or moments I consider to be least exciting or least pivotal, I'm going to try and translate into analyzing something in this format. I guess in terms of what could be considered least exciting, there are a lot of pauses, which may lose the interest of some people, I guess, but I also think that they're extremely necessary for a number of reasons. Obviously, manipulating pacing, but most importantly, to make you feel uncomfortable and acutely aware of the fact that time is passing, which is a literal replica of how everyone has been feeling over the course of quarantine. Just existential dread intensified. Isolation hard mode. And I guess, arguably, the song Unpaid Intern isn't that pivotal to the whole concept of quarantine and the pandemic. However, as I was talking about before, it does definitely serve a greater purpose, as it is then reacted to over and over again to satirize influences and influencer culture, and also the human need to overanalyze concepts and overexplain ourselves and our intentions and our existence to validate our intelligence and come off as deep. So the role that Unpaid Intern plays in that whole segment is very pivotal, but on its own could potentially be viewed as a bit random and out of place in terms of what the rest of the special is surrounding or parodying. But also saying that, it's a total bop and does point out the fact that the value of interns both as workers and human beings in general is totally slept on. The industry really do be exploitative, so it's still important. And also slaps hard, so maybe it's just not that deep. Even though it also is that deep. I'm stressing myself out. Moral of the story, download it. 
Okay, so the next two questions that I normally ask myself do have to be completely changed because it's normally, what are my favorite characters and what are my least favorite characters? Bo Burnham is literally the only person in this special. So instead, I'm going to go through what some of my favorite songs slash segments are and what my least favorite songs and segments are. So let's start with favorite. In chronological order, I think my first favorite song is FaceTime with my mom tonight. I mean, it's a mood. Sadly, still a mood because of Sydney's current lockdown. But whenever I have any Zoom call, it's a major event. And also just trying to communicate with family that don't know how phones work, forget about it. It's over for me. And then everyone has to acknowledge white woman's Instagram, a masterpiece. It's just so funny and so true. Some of the images in there include Latte Foam Art, a dream catcher from Urban Outfitters, and my personal favourite, a random quote from Lord of the Rings incorrectly attributed to Martin Luther King. But while it's obviously a total parody and roast, Bo Burnham also really interestingly gives this fictional white woman a backstory. There's a bridge all about a girl posting about her mom who passed away 10 years ago and you learn that now she's 27 and engaged. So the song could have totally just been pointing out how generic and basic vapid white girl social media content is. But instead, this person's also given an identity and some emotional depth. So it's just really cleverly done. And also that juxtaposition, I feel, again, sums up the whole special quite nicely. Funny, but with heart and unexpected emotional gut punches. I would like to see this man's SAT scores because I think they'd be through the roof. Okay, the next song that is a definite bop in my books, Sexting. Again, it's just really funny. Trying to interpret sexy emoji art slash trying to send sexy emoji art that isn't misinterpreted. And then also obviously the frustration at having to be physically separated. I love it. This song is a lyrical masterpiece. I'm torn between three favorite lines in this one. It's either, we'll talk dirty like we're ancient Egyptians, the reference to Flash making his penis look like the baby from a razor head, or the constant echo of the service provider AT&T at the end of every chorus because we love a bit of subtle slash very unsubtle product placement. And obviously a comment on consumerist culture that I am also very much a part of. It's just great. And then the next song that's really up there for me is How the World Works. It's messed up, but also I love it. The puppet gets too real, starts revealing too many truths about the corrupt foundations upon which our problematic society was built, and then is silenced by the patriarchal white man actively turning a blind eye to the truth and remaining in an artificial safe haven slash encouraging future generations to do the same because you can't fear what you don't know. It's true, it's real. Real is just a synonym for true. I really need to start expanding my vocabulary. I shouldn't be recording this at midnight. But also apart from all of that, it's kind of lyrically flawless and a bop that I would stream on its own. One of my other favorite ones after this was the unpaid intern reaction. This whole segment, obviously super layered, making fun of YouTube reaction culture, like the fact that we as an audience constantly want to watch people explain and analyze what should already be evident in their work, as well as the fact that creators themselves want to constantly analyze and explain what they're afraid isn't already evident in their work. 
But also it points out people's insecurities about not being perceived as smart because public perception is the cornerstone of self-worth. But also conveying this way more concisely than I am right now, in a way that's palatable to almost everyone and way less convoluted than any explanation of it could be. Including this one, because at this point, what am I even saying right now? How he manages to do that so neatly? That's real skill. That is talent. I'm in awe. And I'm also jealous. And then the final favorite song slash segment that I have on this list is problematic. I mean, what's not to love? It's a totally self-aware 80s style aerobic bop, which provides commentary on cancel culture and is also just jam-packed with a bunch of religious allusions and is so beautifully shot. Just the music video on its own without audio is a masterpiece, but then when you add the song and the lyrics, next level. And so moving on to least favorite songs, this is a pretty easy one, uh, none. Moving on. The next question I always have for myself is what I think will slash should be expanded upon or what I want more or less of. There isn't really much application to this kind of form, so I'm gonna move on pretty quickly, but I guess I just want more of exactly what we've got. I want more bops. I want more social commentary. I sadly and maybe problematically want more exploration of Bo Burnham's deteriorating psyche as a direct result of being forced to grapple with being seemingly fruitlessly creative and completely isolated. Does that make me a sick person? Open to interpretation. A little bit of schadenfreude never hurt anyone, except everyone. Okay, the next category I always dive into is most problematic moments in brackets, if applicable. I'm just gonna come out and say I don't think it is applicable. And it's self-referentially not applicable. Allow me to explain. Obviously, it's referred to in the song Problematic, where he talks about things he did in his teens, such as dress up as Aladdin one year for Halloween without thinking about the appropriation and social implications and ramifications. But also he addresses everything that could be potentially problematic about this special as a whole, just constantly throughout what I've seen so far. Bo Burnham is a successful straight white man, basically the most privileged person there is in society, and he is performing a piece of social commentary. It could be a potentially well-meaning but ultimately problematic combo, except it's not, because he's totally aware of that fact and calls that out and isn't ignorantly stuck in his own experience. He's very aware of social injustices outside of himself, but is also not under the impression that he is the, quote, special kind of white man able to bravely solve the world's problems at all, let alone with one Netflix special. So I guess, in summary, he's an introspective white man who acknowledges his privilege while also listening to and acknowledging the hardships of minority groups, but is also free from a white savior complex. It's a complicated and unusual and very nuanced mix that shouldn't be possible, but weirdly and totally unproblematically is. A unicorn. Bo Burnham is a unicorn. Okay, moving on to what category of viewing is it? The three that I always lay out for myself are trash, meaning that it's terribly written and terribly produced and terribly performed. Treasure, meaning that it is genuinely incredibly made. Or guilty pleasure, meaning it's not very good, but I'm into it and I feel bad about the fact that I'm so invested. Obviously, I have just been singing the praises of this special for the entire podcast so far, so I'm gonna classify this as a treasure. 
I'm actually really struggling to find anything negative about it. Even before when I was talking about the least exciting elements, I was just trying to view that as objectively as possible and looking from the perspective of other people about what they could possibly critique in it. But personally, I'm finding no flaws. So really, objectively and also subjectively, I have no choice but to classify this as a treasure. Now, moving on to viewing style, who I would watch it with, where I would watch it, and who I would not watch it with, aka the least and most ideal viewing circumstances. I would say that this is definitely not a candidate for group viewing. It's a solid, I need to mull this over alone and question my existence kind of night in. And I would also say if you're depressed and alone, genuinely steer clear. As I said before, I watched the first half just before Sydney went back into lockdown, but if I had watched it during lockdown, it would have been a way less of an I'm admiring this art experience and more of an I need to seek therapy for the sake of my mental health immediately kind of venture. But apart from that, I'd recommend this to anyone. It's so good, and I think that even if it may not be everyone's cup of tea, there isn't a single person who can't appreciate the fact that this is incredibly well done. And I think it's just something that everyone needs to watch at least once. So yeah, will I keep going with the rest of this special? If my answer would be no, I think everyone listening would be shocked, including me. Obviously, yeah, I'm gonna keep going with it. I wanna see the second half. I wanna see what plays out after the intermission. I'm incredibly invested and also I'm open to hearing more bobs. My iTunes is always looking for a revamp. So, final question, rating out of five. I'm either going to give this a 4.5 or, dare I say, a 5. If you are a consistent Cinema at First Sight listener, you may have picked up on the fact that I've given nothing a 5 so far. I am so reluctant to give something a perfect score because I just don't know what to classify as perfection, but this is really something else. And also, it does benefit from the fact that it's not a movie or TV show, so I don't have a lot in the same category to compare it to because this is just kind of a thing on its own. It's funny, it's thought-provoking, it's a truthful and very emotionally raw piece of art that is excellently produced. It's not like anything else I've ever seen, and I can't think of anything that could make it better. Like, I literally want to change nothing, so I guess that means I can guilt-free give this a 5 out of 5. I definitely recommend that you watch it. If you have Netflix, give it a go. If not, Bo Burnham has posted most of the songs individually on YouTube, so he's really helping out broke students everywhere. And if you really want to watch the whole thing in full, I'm 100% sure the internet can provide that for you. And I guess that's all I have for you. Sydney Siders, stay sane. Everyone else in the world, enjoy being able to go outside. And I will talk to you next week where I review something else that I haven't picked and also probably haven't watched yet, but it's okay. I have a lot of downtime and I'll probably find something. Talk to you next time. Bye.